Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at evolving consciousness and higher purpose. As we contemplate the many aspects of spiritual evolution and personal empowerment, it's important to examine the emerging new understanding of the nature of consciousness. There is increasing evidence that consciousness does not reside in the brain, but instead is a universal phenomenon, one we can all tap into through the heart, through the unifying nature of unconditional love. What is consciousness if not a byproduct of the brain function? Where does non-logical consciousness reside? If consciousness is universal rather than personal, how do we access it? Can accessing universal consciousness finally answer the question of life path, why we're here, and higher purpose? Or... Are we just randomly generated individual biological machines with no deeper meaning? With us to delve into the subject of non-logical consciousness and higher purpose is Dr. Evan Alexander. Dr. Alexander was an academic neurosurgeon for over 25 years, including 15 years at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, Children's Hospital, and Harvard Medical School in Boston. He has a passionate interest in physics and cosmology, He's the author of the New York Times number one bestseller, Proof of Heaven, The Map of Heaven, and Living in a Mindful Universe. His website, ebenalexander.com. Dr. Alexander, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Well, Gwilda, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. As a neurosurgeon, how did you first become interested in the nature of consciousness? Well, it's something that we deal with uh, every day. You know, my father was a neurosurgeon, so... I had an interest in, in consciousness even back as, as a young child. Uh, and, of course, over those uh, 25 years or so of active practice before my uh, coma, I thought I had some rough idea of how brain, mind, and consciousness worked, even though I admitted that uh, nobody really seemed to understand the real depths of it. But uh, I thought that we had some clues as to the nature of consciousness. And that's why I think my near-death experience that happened just about 10 years ago was such a beautiful gift. It showed me that our uh, kind of materialist model of brain creates con consciousness is hopelessly inadequate. 
and does not match the data. We need a far bigger theater of operations to really understand how all this works. It's amazing, isn't it, that we've dealt with consciousness as long as we've been around, and yet we don't have any understanding of it. Well, that's uh, it, it's almost like you could predict that. It is We are all so much just in our own consciousness that it's very difficult uh, to get out of it to kind of assess how the whole thing is working. It's kind of like asking a fish, you know, what's it like to be in the water? Uh, and the water is so much of the fish's existence that they go, well, what do you mean? I mean, how could there be any other way? What water are you talking about? I mean, it's just the, 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 the whole ground of existence is consciousness. And that's one of the reasons it's so difficult to really kind of understand. But when you're uh, deeply involved in uh, assessing the mechanisms that relate the mind and the brain, that's where we start running into some fascinating territory and realizing that simplistic model of, you know, the physical world is all that exists and the brain must somehow create consciousness, where that model just com completely crumbles because it is, com it is inadequate to explain all of human experience. So how did your uh, near-death experience, if you don't mind telling us a little about, bit about that, how did it impact your view on consciousness? Well, I can just tell you that it completely shook everything to the ground. I mean, there was all that I had ever assumed about the nature of consciousness disappeared uh, from my near-death experience. Um, and to kind of briefly go into it, uh, it was due to a very severe case of uh, bacterial meningoencephalitis or meningitis that had uh, deeply involved my brain. Uh, was wrecking my entire neocortex, which is the human part of the brain, the outer surface, um, but was also wrecking my brainstem. I mean, this was a disastrous case of meningitis from which I really should have no chance of recovering, and yet I did recover completely over about two months. That part was an absolute shock to my doctors. But to me, one of the biggest mysteries was in the months of recovery, uh, and also important to point out that my meningitis was so severe that it devastated all my memories of life uh, so that when I came back to this world, when I woke up on the seventh day of coma in that ICU bed, all I knew was where I had just been on this incredible spiritual journey that I describe in Proof of Heaven. And it was only in the uh, weeks and months after that that all of my prior knowledge of uh, brain-mind consciousness gleaned through 25 years of experience in neurosurgery came back to me and kept conflicting with everything that had happened. And that was especially because during those few months, I was also reviewing my medical records, uh, talking with my doctors about my experience, uh, going over all my scans. And I realized that the records I were reviewing was really of someone who would have died from this severe meningitis and certainly could not have had any kind of experience in the midst of it all. That's why I think the medical community is so fascinated by my story. And I'm often asked to speak to medical and surgical and nursing groups about it because it is such a complete violation of everything we were taught in medical school about the role of the brain in creating consciousness. And uh, the more I got into all of that uh, and the more I've aligned with scientists around the world who have been wrestling with this very same set of questions around the nature of consciousness, the more I realized that the scientific world is now going through a tremendous revolution uh, that I think will be unprecedented in human history. And every bit of it is about 
uh, trying to uh, determine the exact mechanisms that relate conscious awareness and, and the brain and the physical world. How can you be sure your experience while in a coma is actually contact with universal consciousness rather than hallucinations caused by your illness? Sounds like you were off. Well, that's really kind of the gift of having the severe illness that I had. Uh, My doctors knew from my neurologic exams, uh, even when I first got in the emergency room, um, that my neocortex was uh, being badly damaged. And one thing your listeners need to realize is that uh, modern neuroscientific ideas of consciousness uh, depend very heavily on the role of the neocortex, uh, that it's the most powerful calculator in the brain. It's the part that has uh, evolved, uh, especially in the last uh, million or two million years to its current status, uh, serving human beings uh, and giving us what we think is this uh, incredibly rich kind of conscious experience. Well, every detail of that conscious experience, everything we've ever heard or seen or thought or experienced about our our body's relationship to its surroundings, Uh, every single uh, atom of perception and thought uh, has depended on that neocortex. And that's why my illness was such an incredibly uh, powerful experimental preparation, because my doctors knew from my neurologic exams and also from the scans, CT and MRI scans, that showed that all eight lobes of my brain were affected by this. There was no region that was relatively spared. And given that uh, kind of scorched earth attack on my physical brain, I should have had no conscious experience at all, or at best a very rudimentary trickle of uh, barely minimum uh, awareness. And yet the exact opposite of that is what I experienced, this incredibly robust, rich world ultra real, far more real than this world. And there were time anchors in my journey that showed that the vast majority of my coma experience had to happen between days one and five. Um, A recent review of my medical records that is published uh, in September 2018 um, uh, Journal of uh, Nervous and Mental Disease uh, from Dr. Bruce Grayson and colleagues at the University of Virginia, this medical record review shares my surprise uh, as I presented in the book Proof of Heaven. And one of the issues that they raise is that during that period, days one to five, when uh, time anchors reveal most of my journey occurred, my Glasgow coma scale, which normally uh, is 15 and a normally awake person, and any value less than nine is deep coma. Well, those whole five days, my Glasgow coma scale was between uh, five, six, and seven. So I was in deep coma as well documented. It sounds like you got your brain out of the way. And isn't that what a lot of the traditional methods of accessing spiritual information do is try to use meditation or whatever to close down the brain a little bit so that we can actually access all other information. Well, that that is, and I have a lot to say about that, so I don't want to try and cram it into one small session before we have a break. Uh, but yes, you're exactly right. The evidence that the brain is not the producer of consciousness, but is only a, a, a filter that allows in primordial consciousness, is reaching a point where it's really overwhelming, and it's taking over all of our neuroscientific and philosophy of mind arguments about the relationship between brain and mind leading to some very exciting uh, possibilities uh, for human spirit and uh, for human free will. So one of our largest mistakes is trying to use as a generator what was designed to be a receiver and transmitter. 
Well, I would say it, it leads to a lot of very erroneous thinking, and that's especially important when you get into topics like the reality, not only of the afterlife, but of reincarnation, because uh, the models of consciousness that are emerging at the, at the front edge of consciousness studies in a scientific sense in the year 2018 fully enable the reality of uh, both an afterlife and of reincarnation. So well, we've that, got a uh, bunch of very rich things to look at, uh, but right now we're going to have to take a commercial break. It's time for that short pause. Dr. Alexander and I will be back to talk about this rich subject after the break. You are listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like exxon sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that 500 built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. 
You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Remember, past episodes are available on our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our guest this hour is Dr. Eben Alexander. His website, ebenalexander.com. Dr. Alexander, we were getting into you know how the brain has been misunderstood um, as to its functions, kind of like inside out and backwards of what you discovered. Would you go into that a little bit? Yes, I think it's important to point out that in a uh, clinical neuroscience setting, uh, that is dealing with patients uh, uh, with various uh, alterations in their mental function, uh, there are several examples of, of, of situations where we realize that the physical brain cannot simply be the creator of consciousness. Uh, one of these is uh, terminal lucidity. Now, it's, it's estimated uh, by fairly conservative estimates that uh, this is a process that is seen in roughly 5 to 10% of Alzheimer's patients as they approach death. Uh, terminal lucidity occurs in, uh, usually in elderly, demented patients who might have Alzheimer's or some other uh, you know, vascular disease or what have you that is causing a dementia. Now, in dementia, their thinking deteriorates. And uh, in many of the patients, cases that I'm aware of, uh, they may have gotten to a point where the dementia was so severe that they had not uttered a meaningful phrase to anyone for months or even longer. And then as they approach death, and statistically, uh, this kind of event occurs uh, with a high degree of likelihood within seven days of death. But what uh, people witness is the patient seems to wake up. They seem to come right back to life. Uh, and, it, and it's absolutely stunning when you see it, uh, and yet it's not that uncommon. I mean, many in the hospice community and many nurses uh, and, and doctors who care for uh, elderly, demented patients uh, have reported these examples of terminal lucidity. Sometimes they're misinterpreted, though. Um, I was at a meeting not long ago of, uh, of hospice workers and palliative care medicine docs, and there was this big discussion of what they were calling terminal delusions, uh, because, in fact, what happens when these patients come back to life and wake up and have great reflection on their life and uh, sit there in conversations with family members at the bedside that everybody thinks are impossible given the uh, road of dementia they followed without uttering anything meaningful for weeks or months, and to have them then very conversant with active memory and very thoughtful reflections is unnerving, and it's, it's really kind of bizarre, and yet it is something that happens. I've heard of cases of people whose brain had pretty much been uh, more than 50% replaced with metastatic cancer who were in very deep coma who then came back to life right before they died. Now, the issue is it's a very spiritual awakening because often when they come back to life and they're having these discussions with loved ones at the bedside, they also are witnessing souls of departed loved ones who are there to escort them over. Now, the unenlightened uh, caregiver might interpret that as all a delusion and hallucination, uh, but it's not. 
Uh, and I can say that with some authority just because of, of the number of cases that I'm aware of and, and what I see in this overall process. But it is uh, so shocking that they even can have any mental function well, at yeah, that's all. The, that's the question is how, how can a brain that's so impaired accommodate the communication, even though it's coming from a spiritual source? How does it get through? Right. And, and, and I think to answer that question, I would simply point to another phenomenon that we witness in neuroscience, and that is what is called the acquired savant or idiot savant syndromes. Uh, and these are cases where some form of brain damage. Excuse me, uh, let, me let me interrupt a second. So that means idiot genius? Well, savant is the word for genius, so uh, uh -huh. it's uh, yeah. kind of an interesting term, idiot genius, uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the important thing to point out about it is that uh, what these cases demonstrate, and I'll give a few examples. I mean, a, a head trauma, stroke, autism, things like that can lead to brain damage that give people uh, new mental capacities that in many ways are often kind of superhuman in nature. For example, uh, after a head injury, uh, a patient was able to look at a telephone book and say, one page per second, and it, over 30 seconds, may, maybe go through uh, 20,000 names and phone numbers in that phone book over just a very short period of time. And then you can ask them for any of the phone numbers for any of the associated names, and they can give it right back to you. Well, uh, that that's makes you wonder course, about our capacity, doesn't it? Yeah, most of us, of course, cannot do that. And how is it that brain damage seems to unmask such superhuman capabilities? Another one uh, would be the ability to calculate pi to 3,000 digits in one's head when they might not have been very good at math before. Where does that come from? I had one patient uh, when I was up at uh, Harvard Medical School who was hit in the head with a baseball. He had an epidural hematoma. He went rapidly into coma. Luckily, we got the epidural out very quickly, and he had a nice recovery. But when he came back for his follow-up visit a few weeks later, he said, Doc, uh, I can do something I couldn't do before. Maybe you can explain it to me. Uh, do you have a map? And I said, yes, and I, I found a map somewhere in my office and showed it to him. And uh, he looked at it for about 10 seconds, and then he said, that's fine, and put it away. And then he started to draw on a piece of paper that map uh, in very exquisite detail, working from the center out. And he said, I could never do anything like this before. What happened? So and both I said, of those well, are examples of photographic memory, right? Of eidetic memory, exactly, that yeah. uh, occur yeah. in uh, a situation that is kind of inexplicable. But the, the reason I bring them up is they happen in a setting of brain damage. Something has happened to a brain that was working perfectly well before that damages the physical brain and yet surprisingly seems to enable a superhuman mental capacity. And uh, what this you brings know, up know, in, is... In, spirit, in spiritual circles, we have a lot of examples of what they call initiatory illness, where a person's living a normal life, they go into, like you did, like a coma or this or that or the next thing, and they come out with totally different uh, capabilities. So it, well, it I, I would say brain, right? I, you're exactly right. And, and I think the bigger point, as I often point out in my talks about my coma experience, is that all of illness and injury and all the kind of hardships and challenges in life, in many ways, it's best to look at them as blessings, as gifts. Now, it's hard to see that when you're in the middle of it. But often in looking back over that kind of a challenge, we find that we were able to grow, that we were able to learn more about ourselves and accomplish more things through having faced that hardship, which I think is kind of what you're pointing out. 
Right. Yeah. And it, it uh, but also I was pointing out the exact miracles you're talking about, seeming miracles, where people come out of illnesses sometimes um, with superhuman skills that they wouldn't exactly. have well, explained before. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's a very good point. Uh, and the only other piece, along with terminal lucidity and acquired savant syndromes, uh, that I would like to point out to your audience is a whole set of scientific studies that have occurred over the last uh, six years or so in using functional MRI, magnetoencephalography, spectral EEG, things like that, that we can use to assess uh, the function of the brain uh, and comparing that with a phenomenal experience that occurs in people who are under the influence of certain psychedelic drugs like psilocybin, uh, DMT, dimethyltryptamine, the active principle in ayahuasca, uh, LSD, and others are the drugs that have been investigated. But to the shock of the investigators, what they have found in these numerous studies around the world over the last few years is that the more profound the psychedelic experience of the person who's on that particular substance, uh, the more the physical brain actually shuts down and gets out of the way. It's there really it astonishing. Again, right? Yeah, but the evidence you know, is those those drugs have been used for for years by um, shamanic societies to help the practitioner access non ordinary reality. It's starting exactly. to make sense now. Exactly, and it? I think. It's, it's uh, fascinating, and this is something that I um, mentioned in the original Proof of Heaven, at least in the bibliography, I had one of these references. But to me, this made perfect sense, because that's exactly what I experienced. My doctors had all the evidence, and when I re reviewed my medical records, I realized just how damaged my neocortex was. And what that showed me was that damage actually enabled me to come into far richer contact with that primordial mind, with that infinite universal consciousness, that God force at the core of it all, that is actually the source of our very uh, conscious awareness. Uh, and so that's one of the important uh, statements here, is that the evolution of our understanding of the nature of brain, mind, and consciousness is leading us to this profound realization that we are all part of one consciousness, one mind. And that is where uh, you start to realize that when we hurt each other, we're really just hurting ourselves. It's almost like the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself, is written into the very fabric of the universe. And I think that is an important lesson for this kind of broken and fractured world to realize. Now, we have just a little bit of time left in this segment. Uh, I'd like to begin looking at and then continue looking at why did we disconnect to the degree that we have that our reality is so physical and all of this consciousness is out there and just a little trickle comes through? Well, I think um, one way to look at it is, you know, in our culture and society in this world today, we tend to really default to the views of science. Science is uh, the source of truth. And, uh, you know, I've always been a scientist, but I realized that my near-death experience forced me to be much more of a scientist than I ever had been before. The scientist I was before coma was a very conventional scientist, uh, which is basically uh, seeing that the physical world is all that exists. The physical world is what we can kind of measure and assess. And in fact, if you look back over the 400 years of the scientific revolution, that was their mission. Uh, you know, when Galileo and Bacon and Newton and other brilliant minds were first well, that, trying to... 
that commercial break has slipped up on us. We're going to have to take it. We can get back into that. Yeah, Dr. Alexander and I will return to our discussion on the other side. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. ABS Media You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome 
welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest tools and information to support the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Eben Alexander. His website, ebenalexander.com. Dr. Alexander, what is, you know, we were talking about all this universal consciousness out there, and yet we think consciousness, we have heretofore thought consciousness was in the brain. What is the diff? You know, what what does this say about consciousness and reality? Have we, have we created an artificial reality and then restricted ourselves to it? No, I would. Uh, there's kind of a long answer to all that, and I don't want to get long-winded. But I think the um, the important thing to realize is that this uh, world that we experience, this material world around us, uh, is not the kind of objective physical reality uh, that we think it is, uh, just by um, you know, our, our simple observations. And that is something that's been revealed, especially through uh, the, the deep mystery of quantum physics. Uh, and I think one of the deepest lessons that comes out of quantum physics is that there is no objective physical reality out there that is independent of the observing mind. Uh, and this is something that's been recognized by quantum physicists for more than eight decades, and yet they've had great trouble trying to figure out how to make sense of that. Now, part of the issue, is, as I was saying before the break, has to do with the uh, kind of mission of uh, materialist science. And we talked about how Galileo, Bacon, Newton, all those brilliant minds were trying to look at the rules of causality governing the world around us, the natural world. Um, And they assumed, of course, that they were simply observing beings that were there to observe that world. Um, Now, if all you study is the material world, yes, you will learn a lot about the material world. But if you're actually trying to figure out a little more about the nature of reality, uh, which includes consciousness, that's where you start to run into all these rough edges. And that's why quantum physics is leading us inexorably towards a realization that mind is what exists and creates all of matter. Uh, And given four centuries of trying to say, wait a minute, we're studying all that matter out there, the material world, to understand its principles. Uh, and, And the deep reality is when you talk about modern quantum physics, what most physicists will tell you, or many physicists will tell you, is that their preferred version of explaining what's called contextuality, which is that deep interaction of the mind of the observer with uh, the observed results. And that's so the, you're talking the, about the observer effect, right? Right, the observer effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what they, the best uh, ex- example of how they explain that, which is no, also known as the measurement paradox in quantum physics, which is that the act of measurement and a decision made by an observing mind seems to have a very deep role in what the results of the measurement are. And the best way they can explain that is with Hugh Everett's 1957 Many Worlds interpretation of infinite parallel universes. So they're basically acknowledging that if you just assume that the material world is the only thing out there, you cannot close the loop of causality to explain uh, events of subatomic uh, observations within one physical universe. You have to postulate uh, that every observation breaks the uh, universe into separate streams where you have one result occur in one universe and the other results occurring in other universes. So and wait, wait a minute. Really... Doesn't, doesn't this make all scientific studies invalid? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that <laughs> well, far. Well, they're, 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 based, 
Well, they're based on um, on the observer taking data and coming up with a conclusion. But if the observer has an effect on the data, how can they be sure that they didn't create the results? Well, in fact, they do have a lot to do with creating the result. We're simply having to modify the way we interpret all this. But my point is that you don't need infinite parallel universes to explain it all. And uh, all you need is to realize that consciousness is fundamental and that consciousness actually creates this emergent reality. It's a position known as idealism. Uh, and, and it's a very strong form. It's what we would call either metaphysical or ontological idealism, which means the entire physical universe is merely a subset uh, that emerges from the mental universe. And, and many uh, uh, physicists and astronomers have grown more comfortable with the notion of this being a mental universe. For example, Richard Kahn Henry wrote a beautiful one-page essay in the scientific journal Nature back in 2005. He's the head of astrophysics at Johns Hopkins. And he made it very clear that, uh, you know, a robust modern interpretation of quantum physics acknowledges that we live in a mental universe, that the physical universe is only a projection out of the mental. Uh, and so we're, we're kind of slowly working our way towards this realization. This is something that Karen Newell and I focus on tremendously in our new book, which is called Living in a Mindful well, could, Universe. Yeah, could you, could you help me? Um, I'm, I'm looking at consciousness that is not supposed to reside within us. And yet I'm looking at reality that you say that we're generating through the brain. Can you kind of reconcile that for me? Well, it's, I think the best way to reconcile it is to realize that the evolving scientific models now about relationship between brain and consciousness really have come to admit that you cannot explain the workings of the brain and come away with a full model of how the mind and consciousness emerge from that. The only way to really address it is to acknowledge that consciousness itself is fundamental. Uh, you know, in any of this kind of discussion about the big nature of reality, you're always going to hit a point where there's going to be something called an ontological primitive. That is the thing which exists fundamentally on which everything else is based. For example, in materialist science, the um, uh, that um, fundamental aspect is the physical world. And yet quantum physics is very clear on telling us, well, you cannot just have one physical world and explain all of causality. You need infinite parallel universes of, of, of physical worlds to explain that. And our point is, no, you don't. If you take a bigger metaphysical position, which simply assumes that consciousness is fundamental and that the physical brain works as a valve or filter that only allows in uh, you know, various uh, uh, conscious states. It actually turns out that consciousness dictates uh, the states that present uh, through the physical brain, because, again, the physical brain is the manifestation of consciousness. But what so this model does is it enables a far broader kind of explanation of, of consciousness and conscious observation of free will, of, of how we interact with the universe, and how we can do all that and still have a consensus reality that seems to present us, uh, you know, with one kind of consensus world, even though deep investigation of that world through subatomic experiments in quantum physics shows that, no, none of it exists independently of the individual mind. So we, 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 we don't have consciousness in the mind. Consciousness is outside of the mind, and yet we create Well, I wouldn't reality. say that. It's outside the brain. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay mind okay. and consciousness truly exist. 
the brain exists, but only as a projection out of consciousness. In other words, uh, given that uh, all of physical reality is a projection from that consciousness, uh, for me as an individual, what I see is I have my brain and my body and the physical world, but every bit of that is simply a projection from the mental world itself. Uh, and this does enable tremendous power in terms of explanation and understanding of how it can all work uh, that is not present when you're slave to the uh, conventional physicalist view that tries to assume that somehow we've got to explain consciousness is emerging from the workings of the physical brain. So how do you explain the origins of consciousness if it's not a byproduct of the brain? Well, again, the, the origin of it is... It's something that pre-existed the Big Bang. It's something that completely supports all of the observed physical universe. Where it came from, I think, is too big a question for right now. I, I don't have a way of answering it, but I can also tell you that in any of this kind of discussion about the nature of reality, you're going to run into a, a situation where there's going to be some ground, that ontological primitive, uh, that cannot be escaped. Uh, as I said, for... Uh, materialist science, that ground is a physical universe, even though quantum physicists tell you, well, it can't be one physical universe, it has to be infinite. Uh, and then, for example, for quantum physics, you might assume that that ontological ground is what's called uh, the quantum field. Um, and for the position I'm postulating, a world where it's uh, ideal, idealism and, and where the entire universe truly is mental at its core and that all the apparent physical universe emerges from it, that ontological uh, primitive is consciousness itself. Uh, but I think that is uh, the model that starts making far more sense, and it's certainly the way that uh, modern neuroscientists of consciousness and philosophers of mind are headed uh, that gives us a far richer understanding. But it, uh, it also uh, reopens the door to the tremendous power of, of human free will, because a conventional materialist science would scoff at the notion that you would have free will, because, in fact, they look at consciousness as an epiphenomenon uh, that emerges from the physical workings of the brain. That is, if you look at all the atoms and molecules and cells in the brain, all following the laws of physics, chemistry, and biology, uh, and, they, and then given us this illusion of awareness, but it, one in which we would have no free will because that awareness is simply the result of all of those subatomic particles, atoms, molecules, following natural laws. So where could you possibly inject any form of free will? You really cannot. So materialist science uh, is very happy with that notion, but luckily for all of us, materialist science is totally clueless on any kind of explanation of uh, consciousness emerging from the physical brain. And what's, what's fascinating here is that puts responsibility back to the individual for their experience, doesn't it? Well, it does. And it also means as much as, you know, many, many kind of lines of inquiry in our modern world, whether you look at religious traditions, for example, uh, fundamentalist Christians who might say, well, if you... We're going to have to talk about this portion on the other side of another break. Dr. Okay. Alexander and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV. 
plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest developments to an evolving world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiyaka. I always love suggestions from my listeners. Email me at info at missionevolution.org to propose a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Dr. Eben Alexander. His website, ebenalexander.com. Dr. Alexander, I'd like to kind of bring this down to earth (laughs) because we've, we've we've gotten into a lot of amazing concepts. But how can we use all of this to apply towards our personal evolution as human beings? I think that is the the wonderful question because all of this is deeply applicable 
to each and every one of us as individual human beings trying to live this life. And what we were getting at at the end of the last segment had to do with this notion of free will and of choice. And I was going to make a point there, giving several examples of how uh, big uh, aspects of our modern society would try and take us off the hook for having any responsibility for our choices. And I was giving the example of how, for example, uh, of fundamentalist Christian thought might say, well, we're all sinners, Christ died for our sins, uh, which in essence is kind of saying, well, if I believe in Christ, then everything I want is going to happen to me, and I'm not really responsible for my bigger decisions. Uh, Likewise, materialist science would try and tell you if consciousness is just an epiphenomenon uh, of the uh, subatomic particles, uh, atoms, molecules, cells of the brain following natural laws of physics, chemistry, and biology, then we're not responsible for our choices either, because they're trying to tell you you don't even have free will, so you just do what you would as an automaton. Uh, my point is that I believe that the, uh, this new notion that we're putting out there, in, in agreement with many scientists who study consciousness, uh, that we, we describe in detail in Living in a Mindful Universe, is all about the importance of our choices. Because in this idealistic universe, we are very responsible for our choices, even our thoughts. Just as people in near-death experiences uh, will talk about a life review, and the life review is a concept that goes back at least 2,400 years. This is not a new concept. It's reported from all different belief systems around the world. It's not dependent on religion at all. But the life review, your life flashing before your eyes, is what uh, many, many near-death experiencers report. And what happens is any of the residual lessons from life, uh, good or bad, that we are to learn um, come at us in that life review, and we experience them uh, on behalf of those around us who were impacted by our actions and thoughts. So if somebody is busy handing out a lot of pain and suffering to other people, their life review is not going to be very pleasant because they are going to be the recipient of all that pain and suffering. Uh, It's kind of like a a mid-course correction, and we haven't had real time to go into it, but the other piece of this puzzle, to put it in perspective, is the notion of reincarnation. Now, I've never studied that before my coma, but the scientific evidence for reincarnation is very strong. If you go to uvadops.org, University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies, uh, you'll find they have more than 2,700 cases of past life memories in children that have been scientifically studied over the last six decades, where the best explanation is actually one of true reincarnation. So we need to What's interesting about that, though, is we're also running across evidence that the DNA um, carries the experience of our ancestors. How much of past life experience is actually present in our DNA, and how much is of us actually living that life? Well, I think uh, DNA does play a role. Uh, But, uh, you know, DNA is a whole different discussion that gets way into depth that I don't have time for right now. Uh, But the reality is DNA is basically serving mainly as a transceiver to allow consciousness to influence, uh, you know, so much of this emerging reality, including our, basically, our health. There's the emerging science of... um, of, of assessment of understanding of uh, epigenetics, that is, uh, the right. fact and that is, we can interact. It, isn't it much more fluid than we originally thought? Can't it be changed? It's far more, far more fluid. And again, that is all something discussed in detail in, in Living in a Mindful Universe. I think the important point is getting back to this notion of choice and free will, uh, is that we do have tremendous responsibility for our choices. That's why that life review 
a very real uh, thing for all of us, whether we believe in it or not, should be nudging us towards treating others as we would like to be treated. This whole world needs to wake up to this science. Now, uh, one of the uh, key aspects of this is getting in touch with that primordial mind. You know, I'm not talking here about your ego, about the voice in your head as being your consciousness. That is not what's going on here. Uh, the, the deeper mystery of consciousness is your awareness, the observer uh, that observes that voice in the head, which sh- should be looked at more as an impish teenager uh, and put into time out uh, when we're trying to get into these deep questions. But that's why meditation, centering prayer, these forms of going within are so powerful. And we give tools in, uh, in the book Living in a Mindful Universe, specifically sacred acoustics, uh, which is... Um, uh, my my partner, Karen Newell, uh, started this company to do uh, uh, basically a differential frequency brain entrainment. And again, it's uh, I'm sorry we don't have time to get into this in much well, more detail. But yeah, it's okay. For your it, listeners, it does. It looks like it looks like um, by not taking responsibility for our choices, uh, our ability to create has been appropriated from us. And uh, that's a pretty powerful thing out there that we're not taking advantage of or using or directing or conscious of. Where has, well, it, been appropriated, exact- where has it been appropriated to, and how do we turn that around? Well, it's, I would say really by just uh, connecting with our higher soul. Uh, for me, that is a process. I meditate an hour or two a day. I've been doing that the last eight-plus years. Uh, it makes a tremendous difference in life. Once you realize mind has tremendous power over matter, that's something that we've known in the scientific community through placebo effect. You know, the entire world of medicine relies on placebo effect for assessing any new uh, medication or uh, procedure, and yet they fail to acknowledge that what placebo effect is really showing you is that a human's belief has tremendous power in determining their health. Um, and, and once you start to get that in, in a bigger way, it's a placebo effect is a perfect example of how our materialist thinking, that the material world is all that exists, and that somehow we're just some epiphenomenon or accident of that world, is completely off base. And that's why this bigger way of looking at the world of idealism makes far more sense. And it puts us back in the driver's seat. Uh, And again, this is not putting your ego in the driver's seat, because your ego is not who you are. And I'm not talking about that little voice in your head. Uh, And this is really more about connecting with that awareness of existence, the same awareness that is greatly uh, expanded at the time of, of physical death. That's what near-death experiencers are basically telling us, is that uh, our mind and, and mental contents become much more when our brain dies, not much less, because they're liberated. But in meditation, we can all come to know that uh, and then start developing our relationship with that and developing our free will, which is much more of a free will of the higher soul, acknowledging the oneness of mind, that we're all in this together. And therefore, this higher free will is one of, of, of envisioning the win-win situations for all involved and kind of taking that higher road where all of our choices and decisions in life are made out of love, compassion, forgiveness, kindness, acceptance, and mercy, beginning with ourselves, but extending that out to all fellow beings. And that has for gener- tremendous for generations. Power. For generations, we've been conditioned into fear, selfishness, self-absorption, uh, dog eat dog, and that also I think is locked in our DNA. How can we, as loving individuals, transcend that in time? 
it, it has to do with beliefs and understanding. Uh, all we have to do is kind of change our attitude, come to see this much richer possibility for each and every one of us individually and for the world at large. I would say that the hardships and difficulties that face this world are what we call in addiction and alcoholism uh, studies a gift of desperation. And that's exactly what this world is facing now. But the good news is there is a way out, and it has to do with getting in touch with our higher soul, with that one mind, uh, that God force at the core of all that is the source of our very conscious awareness. And we can all do that through meditation, coming to get a much richer idea of our purpose for being here and how we can change this world for the better. But it ultimately uh, is, is very simple. It is treating ourselves and each other with love and kindness and compassion and care. Uh, and the more we do of that, the more this world will improve dramatically. And the thing is, it's almost like uh, if we want to have a good life review and if we want those future incarnations to be more and more pleasant and more directed towards oneness with that divine force of love, we're best to pay attention to this and come to recognize that that is our fundamental ground state as human beings, is much more manifesting of togetherness and oneness and sharing and kindness, and that this notion of competitiveness and dog-eat-dog -dog and all of that in many ways has arisen from our materialist science with its false sense of separation between us, uh, which is not the model emerging from modern consciousness studies where we really come to see that we are all aspects of one mind. Uh, and so that is really um, a way that this world can change for the better right now. And each and every one of our individual lives can change for the better as we come to realize that we're far greater than just one little being, birth to death, nothing more, kind of trapped in questioning a kind of a chaotic nonsense so, for our existence. So you're talking is, about merging into the oneness uh, in mass. <laughs> you know, exactly. This, is, this, well, has, been, this has been... Do. This has been an amazing discussion, and fortunately, we're out of time. Thank you, Evan, so, so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great talking with you. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Evan Alexander. He's the author of numerous books, including his latest, Living in a Mindful Universe. His website, ebonalexander.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues to bring information, resources, and support to our evolving world. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. 
With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Xzone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.